welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Court Winsett. Mm, hello, Katie. And Cameron Spann. Shh. Are you a librarian? I mean, I am for this episode. Why are you a librarian? Because we're talking books today, Katie and Court. Mmm. Books. International Literacy Day. Yeah, so uh, this episode is coming to you the day before International Literacy Day, which is September 8th, in case you did not know. Did y'all know that? Not until Nicole put it on an outline. <laughs> yep. So we are obviously going to be talking about books and the importance of literacy. I think even around Memphis, there's an organization called Literacy is Key. So uh, we're going to start it off with Bullcast Favorite Books. Cam, take it away. Oh, I'm first. All right. This is going to be a rambling answer. <laughs> At the beginning of the year, Court, it was an episode you missed. Katie and I talked about resolutions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Katie and I are not much of readers, and we set goals. I don't know <laughs> where we stand on those goals. Uh, go ahead and tell them where you stand on your goal. Yeah, I've got to be six books this year. Which is great for me. I mean, that's huge. I don't read at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as I say, we started it off and Cam and I were not readers at all. I think we set a goal of reading like two. Hey. Two or three books. So you have I already exceeded. achieved it. We argued this point. I have failed so far. I mean, I guess I'm still in September, so I've got time. I have started multiple fun pleasure books. I've read a bunch of educational books because, you know, doing the master's programs, I've read about thinking fast and smart and asset allocation and a bunch of stuff like that. But I have multiple that are in my Audible library that I have started. I just need to get back to them. So if you have a suggestion of maybe something that I can hit my goal of the two to three by December, then uh, give us a comment, shoot me an email, whatever. So rules are audiobooks count? Yes. And I was going to bring that up in my answer. Perfect. Okay. Um, All right. We can debate that. I'm all for audiobooks counting because it's the only way I get any books read these days. But I hear you. Well, sweet, sweet Nicole. Uh, On the outline, she put Lord of the Rings as my favorite book. And I can't fault her for that because I am a Lord of the Rings movie trilogy fanatic Mm -hmm. since day one it came out in theaters when i was in junior high i appreciate the books i'm reading through the fellowship of the ring which is the first one with my boys Mm -hmm. but who boy is it a slog i have always said that there are very few times you will ever hear me say that the movie is better than the book but i think in the case of the lord of the rings movies movies are are my favorite and i don't know how familiar our listeners are with the story but i am halfway through the fellowship of the ring halfway through that book and we just now met mary and pippin when frodo and sam are on their journey we haven't met the fellowship we haven't gone through any of the hardships and i'm like oh my god yeah, it takes a while yeah, yeah. what it, is the thought about watching the movie and then going and reading the book like in that I know, there, I know there's people that are very adamant about you read the book before you see the tv show or you see the movie but what about the reverse how do you feel about that i don't think it hurts like court was saying i think the movies are a lot stronger than the books in my opinion it's just more succinctly told and they're amazing amazing movies so i think it's fine in that case watch the movies and then if you want a little bit more backstory like Tom Bombadil, go read the book. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you really get into the world that he has created and you're that type of person who likes really going in depth, then obviously go to the books, go to the Cimmerillion, do it all. He's got it all out there. He is the original world builder, so so to speak. And that's a great segue. Um, yeah, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote the book. Lord of the Rings was published in 1954. This was the sequel to the children's book, The Hobbit, that he wrote, I think it was like a decade or two earlier. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien was a 
Anglo-Saxon professor at Oxford, which makes sense because he created all of these languages like Dwarvish and Elvish for the books. But back to my favorite book, I actually brought it in here. I read it seven years ago. It is Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. It is the biography, and it is a beefy book. And I'm not a reader, and I flew through it. It is a fascinating read about the life of Steve Jobs. He's an inspiration. And then I want to shout out another favorite book that I just finished. It was an audiobook, and it is Project Hail Mary by Andy Ware. I've heard great things about that. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's in my phone currently as we speak. Yeah. It's amazing. It takes place in space. He also wrote The Martian. Yeah. So very similar vibes, but I think this one is way better. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my point. Audiobooks is the same as reading, right? What do you think? I think so because you are digesting word for word what the book says. Yeah. I think that the differences would be you tend to be able to read faster than you can be read to, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the audiobooks take longer to get through. You're not necessarily exercising as much of your own imagination if you're listening to an audiobook. Because if you have a reader who is doing a good job, then they're sort of giving you an idea of what a certain character sounds like. You know, you and I, Cameron, have, have talked frequently about Jim Dale, the oh, person who reads the, the Harry Potter books. And he does a phenomenal job of separating and having hundreds of voices over the course of those seven books for every single character he does something different and nuanced and it's amazing but because he's done that there are certain characters that even if i'm just reading the books when i read this particular character is speaking i hear them speaking in the voice that was assigned to them by jim dale perfect example being albus dumbledore oh to me, he sounds like the way that Jim Dale read him when Jim Dale read the audiobook. So there's, it takes some of, some of the imagination out of your hands and puts it in the hands of the reader. And sometimes the reader might interpret a particular line or sentence in a book differently than you would have if you had been reading it for yourself. So there's an interpretive element that's sort of taken out of your hands. Anybody that comes at me and says, like, you don't read, you just listen. Well, I'm going to be like, you know what? I listened to about three dozen books last year. So yeah. I'm getting it done. Well, you're going to love Project Hail Mary Mm -hmm. because the narrator, he does men, women, children, Russian accent, entertaining. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those celebrities because like one that I've almost done with is Green Lights, which is Matthew McConaughey. And hearing him narrate his own book and then having him explain like, and you're going to also see on this page, there's a picture and he gives a story of it. So I feel like sometimes you get a little bit more than if you were just read it on your own. That's exactly right. But I would say Steve Jobs is my book, but don't take my word for it. Check it out. Can you tell me what that's from? Reading Rainbow. Oh, that's right. I knew I recognized it. When Nicole emailed this list out, I was like, oh, I have not been a very good adult reader. And so I tried to like throw it back and think about books that were important to me when I was younger. And I mean, this episode did kind of get me thinking of like, I've got to find that author, that series that I really enjoy. Because as a kid, I loved Amelia Bedelia. Mm -hmm. I loved her. I thought she was just the greatest thing ever. And I still reference her as an adult, some of her dealing with different people who are very matter of fact, and you have to be careful with what you say. But I mean, throwing it way back, like Little Critters, Berenstein Bears, those taught kids such great lessons. I still vividly remember, I think every year I was given the Green with Envy book of the little sister, because maybe I had a little tendency to do that. I do have to steal one that I see is on Court's list coming up next, but the Narnia books. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved mm. the Narnia books, but I was a big Roald Dahl fan. Um, the Witches, Matilda, Matilda, like all of those. I read through those like crazy. One that was very important to me when I was younger, 
um, because of my mom and my granny, and is still as an adult very important, is Shel Silverstein. He he writes poems, and so I've read all of those books. Where the Sidewalk Ends, Light in the Attic, those are some amazing books. Um, Giving Tree. Mm. Uh, but I, I absolutely love this. I actually have my granny's, um, a couple of her books of his that she has written in, like oh, wow. where she would teach lessons at school with them and stuff like that. But kind of, I guess my adult book, it's so random, but I had to read this for a class and I fell in love with the book and really like got engrossed and digested every aspect of it is the Fitzgeralds and the Kennedys. Um, it is a very beefy, big book, but it talks about the dynasty of what was the Fitzgeralds and then how Rose then turned into marrying a Kennedy and then where it turns into the Kennedys. And I, it was just very much of like, you know, Rose's dad was the mayor of Boston and she was the sidekick helping him with everything. And it's just, I've related to that story, loved every aspect of it. Right now, that's going to be my favorite, but I am going to challenge that uh, by the end of the year, I get to announce a new favorite, a new series I like. I'll hold you to it. So when Nicole asked me about favorite books, I was like, ah, that's impossible. My favorite books change on a regular basis. I have favorite book series. Uh, that I can list for you. And then as I was listing out for her my favorite book series, I was like, okay, well, within that series, though, I do usually have a favorite book. And then also I started thinking of all of these standalone books that I have read that I also liked. So I kind of told a lie on myself. But I gave her series. uh, Initially, I started off by giving her favorite book series. And I'm going to stick to that, at least for the most part. Obviously, Harry Potter is one of my favorite series of all time. Uh, I've read each one of the books at least five or six times. And my favorite book, I've probably read a dozen times. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is my favorite of the series. Mm-hmm. The Chronicles of Narnia, I read those. The first time I read the the entire Chronicles, I was probably in the fourth or fifth grade. But I have reread them multiple times, including while I've been an adult. Uh, you, you have a very different perspective coming at those books from the adult perspective than you do when you're a kid. I'd, I had no idea when I was reading them in the fourth or fifth grade, the imagery that's involved in those books. And oh, the imagery's insane. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. When you're reading as an adult, you're like, oh my God, how did I miss this? It's so it's so plain as day. And I love the relationship between C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien. Yes. Oh. According to David's uh, My Two Cents, they apparently, it was, it was a little bit more complicated than just best friends uh, for life. They had a little bit of a falling out later on. And uh, they did. So that, that's a shame because I do like I, I like the idea that those two guys were contemporaries and they wrote these incredible series that are uh, still loved today. And I will note that you love Tolkien's movies, uh, the books. I don't love the books. I tried to read them, like actually sit down and read the books, and I was never able to get through all of them reading them. I finally resorted to listening to the unabridged recordings of them, and I was able to get through them. But even then. I said I was able to get through them. It took it took effort for it's me a to labor. finish the books. Yeah. yeah, I did love The Hobbit though. Hobbit's um, great. I finished that with my boys. It's a lot. The feelings lighter. It's a children's book, is what it is. Yeah. So other series: The Vampire Chronicles and the Lives of the Mayfair Witches. This is Anne Rice. This is that's uh, on my um, list. Interview of the Vampire, Vampire Lestat, The Lives of the Mayfair Witches is represented initially by The Witching Hour is the first book in that series. He, uh, he just likes this book because there's an Uncle Cortland. Is there? Yes. There is. Yeah, there's somebody who's named after me in that book. Um, named after you. Yeah. 
but she eventually took these two series, and the the one thing that was kind of sort of tying them together was this organization that appeared in both book series, the Vampire Chronicles and the Witches, the Lives of the Mayfair Witches, called the Talamasca. But the, you never really had the vampires and the witches uh, interacting with each other early on. But in her later books, they definitely started interacting. And so now it's not so much treated as two individual series, but more of just one overarching world that she has, um, that she's written. And I loved the books when I was in seventh, eighth grade, high school. The Vampire Lestat is just a great vampire book. It's, it's, if, you, if you like vampires and like, like that kind of writing, uh, the first vampire book, obviously, I ever read was Bram Stoker's Dracula, and then I got to these, and I was like, well, this is awesome. I'm trying to make this fast, guys, but boy, I could talk about books forever. Uh, Wheel of Time is one of my favorite series by Rod Robert Jordan. Uh, the Stormlight Archive is probably my newest favorite series. That's by Brandon Anderson. These are both fantasy series, and when I read books, uh, more often than not, I tend to lean toward reading fantasy books. So finally, a single individual standalone book that is probably the one book that I'm like, oh yeah, that's on my list of favorite books is The Stand by Stephen King. That book is amazing. So anyway, there you go. There's a little bit. We would be absolutely remiss if we'd miss a series that David liked. I know David was a big fan of the Dune series yeah. and all the Dune books. Um, he, he, he has mentioned that uh, several times to me. So I feel like we should give David some love and throw that out there as another series of books that, that are popular amongst our crew. Uh, moving on. That is our lists, ladies and gentlemen. What is up next? Okay, so we're going to kind of quickly go through some successful book-to-movie adaptations. We've already kind of talked about some of these already. Um, obviously, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, we know that uh, Court got to go very close to where a lot of all of this was filmed mm. and got to frolic like a little hobbit. I did obviously go to New Zealand and get to see several of the different spots where uh, Lord of the Rings was filmed, and that was cool. I cannot overstate how, I want to say, important these films are. They're timeless. They're 20 years old, and they hold up perfectly. Mm -hmm. The imagery, I mean, it's the characters. So Nicole had never seen it. She told I me that yesterday. That. She's never seen it before. And I, I'm like, that just blows how? my mind. Yeah. And it always gets compared to Harry Potter, but they're just so different. They're absolutely so different. different, yeah. Rings has won 17 Academy Awards, grossed $2.9 worldwide. But yeah, you think about the success of the books and how long ago they were written, and then we had these movies that... I feel like came out just yesterday, and that's not at all the case. Yeah. Then we have Harry Potter film, um, highest grossing film series of all times. This is kind of like with Star Wars. Like, everybody was anticipating when the next movie was coming out, what's happening with that. It grossed over $7.7 The eight films in the series were all commercial successes, with each film grossing over $1 billion. My niece right now, my brother um, and her are reading the books. And so he's kind of helping her go through them. She reads a book and then is allowed to see the movie and then reads a book and then sees the movie. And I've never read the books, but I've seen all the movies. And so I'm trying to talk with her and like engage in Harry Potter conversation without giving spoilers of like, I think the other day I said something about Bellatrix and Chris was like, oh, no, no, no she doesn't know who that is yet. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, I need like a notice of like where are we in this like in compared to movie world because I don't I don't know. My daughter Stella loves Bellatrix. Mm. She's my favorite. I love her. Uh, Hunger Games. That's another really big one. I think a lot of people really got behind these books. I don't see Fifty Shades of Grey on this list. <laughs> no, but <laughs> but that is definitely that's a, on our spicy list. That our, is our, our but, after hours list. But I mean, you think about it. What genre of books are those called? Fanfic. 
No, no, no. The S and M. No romance novel. Romance novel. Oh. Yeah, like the. <laughs> when I hear romance novel, I think of like the Fabio cover. Yeah, from the 80s. exactly. But I think it is a romance novel. It's That's, spicy. Yeah. So yeah, Hunger Games. And then we got Twilight, Shawshank Redemption. I have not read the book, but absolutely love this movie through and through. Just incredible. I have actually read the book, and the book is amazing. But the the movie is amazing as well. And it's actually, if I remember correctly, it's actually one of Stephen King's short stories. It's not a full novel. It's uh, the Shawshank Redemption is in a collection of short stories that Stephen King published that I think is maybe his different seasons collection or something else. Stephen King has released several multiple small short story collections. That's where The Stand came from. Uh, this was Redemption at Shawshank Prison was the name of the short story or something like that. Anyway, great great short story, great movie. Yeah, amazing movies on my book. list of top 10 for sure. Yeah. Back to the Hunger Games and Twilight. Those were back to back. And that was when young adult mm-hmm. books were booming. Mm-hmm. That was like mid-2000s. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know why there was such a craze. I mean, young adult books have been around for a long time, but it was at that point where they were cranking them out. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that from the perspective of somebody who uh, sort of experienced the Twilight, like watched the Twilight craze going on, both with my wife initially and with my daughter after my wife, my wife got very much into the first book and really loved the first book because uh, she just loved sort of the adoration that Edward had for Bella and that kind of attention that was paid, that, you know, the heroine having somebody that, that loved her that intensely. And that spoke to something, and I think spoke to something uh, for a lot of women. But God, those books are horribly written. I mean, they're just, they're really, I mean, objectively, I think they're bad books. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I haven't read them, but Abby's told me. Uh, she loved the Hunger Games, though. We named, yeah. we named our dog Rue after the Hunger Games character whenever it came a perfect up. character, a perfect name for a dog, I think. So that's great. Abby looks for two things. A strong female lead. This is for TV show movies and books. Strong female lead and a love triangle. She's mm-hmm. like, if there's no love triangle, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> you got to pick your sides. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned uh, the reason I said fanfic when you were talking about Shades of Grey or whatever it is. Fifty Shades of Fifty Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. That book started out as Twilight fanfic. So no the, the person who wrote those books, it originated as a Twilight fanfic and then she turned it into its own novel with different characters and published it eventually. So yeah. <laughs> Wild idea. We should have like an after hour show. Uh, just one where we read through Fifty Shades of Grey together in this room and record it. <laughs> My <laughs> word. Have you read them, Katie? I think I started it when it got really big. And then, like with most things, I put them down. I have very good intentions. My dad is a very big reader. My mom is a reader. My brother's a reader. I just... See, I feel the same way. I love the idea of reading. We've talked about this. I love the smell of books. I love a bookstore. Mm -hmm. Everything surrounding reading. But when it comes down to it, I think it's my ADD. Like, I don't want to just sit there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I want to be doing something. I think that's common of like very creative people is we got to be busy doing stuff. But I'm going to try and jump on the bandwagon with Audible and see if maybe that's the key is that that's the way that people who typically just can't sit still and do that because it's, you know, people talk about all the time, like go to the beach and sit and just read a book. And I'm like, no. Go to the beach and sit and bake in the sun while you just... I always bring a book on a plane and I never read it. Me too. It It sounds great. Just sit there, but I get... It's part of it. You have your bubble gum, you have your book and you have your headphones, headphones, whatever. But yeah, I always just like carry it with me and then don't actually ever read it. Or like I used to would go into the little like news stores at airports and buy a book. I have great books. I have stuff to read. It's just like getting the time 
to do it. And that kind of goes back to that episode that we had Nicole on here talking about um, self-care and like kind of figuring out what your outlet is because a book truly can like transport you somewhere else. And everybody has their favorites. Like if somebody says, Hey, I want to offer you a book, then it's like, are you a documentary, like a, a fiction or a nonfiction person? Do you like different worlds? Do you like, you know, autobiographies? What do you like? What do you want your escape to be? And so obviously like my books this year had all been financial. Well, then I go to work and do financial. So I need to find my random like escape book. And somebody's told me about the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo or Hugh or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's next on my like, list. I feel like Abby's read that. I, the, I think it's a popular person right now. Um, Taylor Jenkins Reed. Interesting. I've never heard of Taylor Jenkins Reed. Uh, the Colleen Hoover is the one that I hear people talking about all the time. And she's apparently spicy. there's a lot of hate for her. Yes. She's, she's a uh, terrible writer. Yeah. Terrible. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, back to it real quick, and then we'll move on to the next book. Uh, it's it's The novella's name was Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. But if you haven't read it uh, or haven't seen the movie, e- read the book or see the movie, either one, they're great. And a reminder to our listeners, we took a little winding road in there, but we are currently in the list of successful yeah. uh, book-to-movie book to adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor Jenkins Reid did Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's great. why I was recommending yeah. the movie. But yeah, the last one's on this list, uh, Silence of the Lambs. No mm-hmm. idea that was a book. Did not know that either. Yeah, but a great movie. And sure. then Schindler's List. Um, yeah, and I knew that was a book. And also, I have heard tell that it is a great movie. Yeah. I have never, never seen, seen it. it. I haven't either. International Literacy Day is an international observance held on September 8th every year. Who knew? Uh, to raise awareness of the importance of literacy for individuals, communities, and societies. So the theme for International Literacy Day 2023 is Transforming Literacy Learning Spaces. This theme highlights the importance of creating inclusive and supportive learning environments for all learners, regardless of their age, background, or circumstances, let me just throw a plug in here. I volunteer at Shelby County Literacy Council. It used to be Collierville Literacy Council. They do a lot of work with English as a second language speakers or who just are cannot read uh, but are adults or whatever. And um, and it's a it's a great organization and they do a lot of good work. So yeah, when when somebody says creating a, a space that is welcoming and and can help somebody, that's kind of the first thing that I think of is those sorts of organizations out there that are like no matter what your age, no matter what the reason is that you can't read, come to us and we will teach you how. And that is fantastic. I know it can be easy to be kind of like goobed out or cheesed out by Literacy Awareness Day or month because mm-hmm. everybody's like, yeah, readings is important. But as I have children and watch them grow and learn. If I'm speaking Star Wars terms, my younglings, or if I'm speaking Lord of the Rings terms, my little halflings, it is so important to read to them in these early years. Mm -hmm. That's how they gain an appreciation for books, and that's how they learn bigger words. Their vocabulary expands. We saw that with our daughter Stella. She's a voracious reader now, but it's because we read so much Mm -hmm. to her. We're not reading as much to our boys. It's just kind of easy to let them slide. But Abby, last night we were laying in bed. She's like, we need to read to them more. I was like, It also helps with their creativity and their imagination Mm -hmm. because I think we can't let that go away because it'll be a ripple effect that if we do not keep educating to the kids and reading them stories and peaking their other parts of their brain to really engage, then you're going to fast forward and we're not going to have movies and TV shows and future authors because they're not using their imagination anymore. My, My little niece has such a wonderful imagination and 
you know that she's getting it from somewhere. Well, she's getting it from her different books she's read. And it's like knowing that, well, that's that's not my bed. That's my castle. That is just so wonderful to keep encouraging imagination and that truly, yeah, it's an escape to listen to music or go to a movie and engross into the story. But a book is truly something that you can listen to or you can read and then just kind of fall into that place. And it's that escape because in this day and age, we are technology driven that it is 24 seven where somebody can get access to us. But if I don't know with Audible, if you can put it like out of office, what is it like? Um, do not disturb <laughs> do or not something. Disturb and so then you can just really engross in what you're listening to. We talk a lot about readers versus non-readers, but I'm just thinking through this. And I think it's more about the easier avenue for you to picture yourself inside of a story. For instance, a book is kind of a blank canvas. Yes, there are words, but you get to create your own voices, what the characters look like. But TV shows and movies, that's where I kind of fall in love there. It's your hand is being held. Mm-hmm. You're not so much just like, here's a blank page, make up your story. You have the characters, the voices, the visuals, the music, and it's a little easier for me to put myself in those stories. Mm. It's so important about reading in different ways. I think about, I don't know if I've mentioned this already yet, Dolly Parton and how she has her Imagination Library. Yeah, where it's giving books to kids. And it's like, I I host a lot of baby showers. I know, shocker. But one of my favorite gifts and favorite decorations to do is a bunch of books. And like, instead of giving a mom a card, you give them books. I think about where our office is, is we're right here by the Carver Library. And the Carver Library has actually put a program together where there's this great lake behind our office. And they change out the stories every season, I think. And so it's a cool way because families can come and read a story. But then it's like as you walk to the next page of the book, it's like fly like a butterfly to the next one or hop like a bullfrog or whatever different things. So it's a cool way of getting kids outside, but also reading a story, which kind of goes into the next section of this. And it's the importance of libraries. And I think, you know, most people think of that of, oh, in elementary school, you had your library card and, um, oh, what was it? The Dewey Decimal System. Do y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Having to really remember that and going in and finding the books. And yes, kids, back when you couldn't just Google something and you had to go and get the encyclopedia books or go to your library and check out different things. And and I wonder, do kids still do, um, what was it, where you would actually get points for reading? Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't know if my kids do at their school, but when I was growing up, that was huge. And there was like a different color sticker on each book, depending on like how many points it was worth. Yeah, yeah but it was incur- it made it a competitive game, which, you know, most people are very competitive, but it was all about reading and trying to hit the different point systems. And then you get like prizes and stuff like that. But it was always a treat in elementary school to get to have library time. It was magical. <laughs> but yeah, libraries are super important. All my kids have a library card and Abby takes them every week. And I think they can check out 12 books a piece. So wow. we come back with 36 books every time. We talked a little bit about um, when Matilda, like in the movie, like she goes and has her wagon and gets all these oh, books yeah. and her, yeah. her parents have no idea, but that's how she is escaping the toxic situation she was in. So Wasn't I mean, she stealing the books at first and the librarian's like, you can get a card. And she's yeah. like, what? <laughs> no, she wasn't stealing. She would just stay up there for hours <gasps> right. and hours right. and read and cackle. And finally, somebody took notice of it. Of course, then there's also the other side of it where librarians are kind of serial killers like Joe. Joe. <laughs> From you. I see I haven't seen you. Oh, well. 
Sorry, spoiler. Okay, so the importance of libraries, um, and it depends on like what form it is. Like you may have a library on your phone of your Audible. You may have the physical place you go to. Um, Cam, you talked about the smell of books, but you also see like neighborhoods will have the little cute little neighborhood pop-ups, which are awesome. You know, we'll kind of round robin this. They provide access to information and resources. They offer a wide variety of resources, including books, magazines, newspapers, ebooks, audiobooks, movies, music, and more. And I mean, I know in like college, that's kind of where you could go and have a quiet place to study. You could rent out the different study rooms. But before computers and all that were so accessible, that's where you'd go to do research. Support literacy and education. Libraries offer a variety of programs and services that support literacy and education, such as story time for children. I do remember when I was a kid going to the central branch of the Memphis Library. This was before they built the big one. Central branch was in my neighborhood. I could actually ride my bike there, and they had a you know librarian that would read to kids. And I still know some people now that are librarians that either used to or still do make their living as as librarians and, you know, read to kids and so forth and have story time. And I think that that is just a, a huge, um, what's the word? Boon. Boon, yeah. Resource to have available to, to kids. I mean, you know, people almost didn't like the fact that so many kids would end up going up to the library after school. When, when I was, I'm talking about when I was in school, when I was school age, kids would go to the library after school and spend time at the library, uh, and it was kind of a place that attracted the kids. And people were like, oh, they should be going home. They should be at after-school care. They shouldn't be just coming up to the library. But, I mean, if, if you're coming up to the library and the librarian is sitting you down in a group and reading to you or, uh, you know, that might be the, the only time that some of these kids are read to at all, except for possibly by their teacher in school in class, then, you know, maybe by their, the, the librarian. And they're exposed to all of these books and all of these reading options. I think it's pretty, pretty cool. I have fond memories growing up in Columbus, Mississippi. Every week we'd go to the main library and Mother Goose would read to us. It was a librarian who dressed up as Mother Goose. She had the goose puppet. She never broke character Cute. every single week. And I think she did that for like decades. Mm. Good times. The third piece of importance of libraries is they offer programs and services that are accessible to all. I would think I would categorize this in the outreach mm. uh, category. Libraries offer a variety of programs and services such as story time for young children, computer classes for adults, and ESL classes for immigrants. Yep. Court already talked about that there's ways for people to get involved and help out because, you know, I think it's just kind of something we take for granted that you learn how to read as a child, but there are definitely people who have gotten by in life in certain ways and may have trouble reading, may have always had things read to them or thinking back to Aaron Gruel, that they just, somebody was considered too dumb to learn how to read, but they have a skill set. And so it could be an adult that is kind of needing that support because that's what's keeping them from getting to the next level, from getting that job because they aren't able to read. Okay, obviously libraries help promote lifelong learners. And so, I mean, just like we've talked about before, they offer a lot of different programs. Do you remember they would offer computer classes, like teaching you mm -hmm. basics of Excel and just typing and things like that? So libraries have always been a center of education and really kind of a place where they do try and personalize and find what is your interest and how can they help you. Do you mind if we switch, Cam, and I do F and you do E? Dadgummit. 
because F That's is my fine, favorite one. But I like it too. But yeah, we'll switch. <laughs> but just trust me, the one that Court's getting is the one I really like about libraries. <laughs> all right, so uh, they serve as community gathering places. Libraries are a place where people of all ages can come together to learn, explore, and connect with others. They offer a variety of spaces for people to gather, such as meeting rooms, computer labs, and public spaces. I've actually done a mediation session at, really? at a library before. This one right here? Uh, the, no, not at the Collierville Library. This was at the main branch of the Memphis Library. Good library. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was like right right after I started for the law firm or within the maybe the first year of starting for the law firm. Yeah, they had like a little meeting room in the back, and, and that's where we had our whole thing. <laughs> okay, next is, is my favorite aspect of library, and apparently Cameron uh, is in agreement with me. They preserve history and culture. So libraries collect and preserve books, obviously manuscripts and other materials, uh, basically full documentation of the history. And a lot of times a library can be the, the place to go, the best source for Local history. Yeah, local. That's what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm a particular fan of the history of Shelby County in Memphis, and our library has a gr is a great resource for that. But also, a lot of libraries are, are a great resource for genealogical research, so family I, history. Funny you said that, because I was just thinking of finding out history. I was probably 10 or 11, and my brother was big into genealogy, and we were in the small town in Marvel, Arkansas area. And that is how I found out my aunt had been married before, because she was the first ride at the Marvel Church. And I'm like, that's not Uncle Chris. Oh, <laughs> spill the tea. Good times. So anyway, I love that. And I don't know where you move that repository if you don't have a local library. Where where does that? Because we're not just talking about something that you can keep in digital form. This is artifacts. This is, uh, like I said, manuscripts. This is the stuff that Nicolas Cage comes in and steals. Yeah, absolutely. So you've <laughs> got to have a place for that stuff. And uh, oftentimes uh, it is the library. It is your local library. So uh, you can always go check that out at your local library. That's my favorite resource. Question. Is the Library of Congress a library? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like a legit library? Legit library. How many books would you guess? Millions? Uh, thousands? Um, thousands. Definitely thousands. It's crazy. Basically, the Library of Congress, as I understand it, I, I would pause to actually research it and make sure that I was right, but I don't think we have time. So I'll just say this, and if I'm wrong, meh. Oh, well, pretty sure that one of the big points of the Library of Congress is they try and have a copy of every book, like every book. If a book has been published, then it is in the Library of Congress. So sorry, really quick offshoot. I was in Savannah and we were doing the tour of the Bonaventure Cemetery and there is a lot of uh, Freemason stuff, a lot of really historic things that went on there and one of the plots looks almost like a parking spot. It's just concrete and has this um, statue on the top of it and our awesome tour guide was telling us that that was a Freemason who always had two copies of every single book and he made sure in his writings that what was buried with him was one copy of all of those and the rest of it was to remain in his estate. And so that's, yeah, it's just, you know, books are important. And this Freemason still has rules that his family has to follow every so often regarding his final his resting books. spot in his books. <laughs> secret societies. This it, is the it, mashup. It is. It's very much, I was very much geeking out about our secret society episode as I'm listening to this tour guide. I'm like, I know these things. I know what you're talking about. Skull and bones, baby. He'd mentioned skull and bones. And I was like, oh, I know that. 
According to Google's, court was on the right track with the Library of Congress. Does the library have a copy of every book published in the United States? No, but it does have millions of books and printed materials, maps, manuscripts, photographs, film, blah, 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 blah. They do have millions. Millions. So I think their goal is to have like every book. But yeah. It's kind I think of they're impossible. trying. They're trying. It's, it's just A for effort. It's a very, it's a very big undertaking to, to have all of the books. Wrap it up, Katie. Okay. So the last one is Inspire Creativity and Innovation. We've talked about this a ton already in this episode. It's definitely a creative space for you to be in, although you do have the shh, quiet, it's the library. Yeah. I don't know about a lot of creativity because I'm... You have a good librarian voice. I'm a loud creative person, so I don't know about that. So <laughs> I just I, imagine you screaming while like drawing. I would definitely be like those horror movies um, where they talk about the librarian that just like turns around and like eats your face because you're being too loud. Like, stop it. Eats your face. That <laughs> is amazing. How to support your local library. Um, visit regularly. Yeah. Borrow books, magazines, and other materials. Get your library card. I feel like that's everybody's first, like, ID that they have. But you can't vote with it. I'm sorry. You can't use it as voting method. Mm. Donate books and other materials to your library. Yeah, that is one thing that I love a book that's all tattered. Like, my book that's the Fitzgeralds and the Kennedys, I got from a library in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to give this to you because it's really in bad shape. And I've gotten it kind of fixed, but I love how it's beat up. I just, I love that aspect of it. So don't throw away your books. Donate it. Somebody could use them. Volunteer your time to help at your library. Advocate for funding because, yeah, it is something that, you know, we need to keep these places because, again, this is a place that anybody can go to. And this could be where somebody can have a safe spot to go, like Matilda, where she was trying to get out of a bad situation. It was her escape. It was a place she could go and have warmth, have, you know, AC, depending on what, what temperature it was outside. And spread the word about the importance of libraries, but also the importance of reading. And, you know, whether it's your kids or nieces or nephews, I would even go to, say, the other end of the spectrum, if you've got an elderly neighbor or your parents or something like that, you know, what what do you, what if you got together and read together? Like that's something that no matter what age you are, you know, bringing bonding together at that point. So what is the future of libraries? So basically the thing that we're dealing with in the future of library is the whole digital age. Digital age. How are libraries going to adapt to that? And there are a couple of ways that libraries are adapting. First of all, you can actually check out books from your library for your Kindle. The, the first book I ever read on my Kindle was checked out from a library. You can also check out audiobooks. You can also check library. out audiobooks from the library. Um, but also they're, they're, they're trying to expand their digital resources, digital training. They're trying to be a source for people to learn about how to use digital items and uh, computers and do computer research and, uh, you know, basically remain relevant just with digital literacy rather than with physical books. And uh, digital literacy has a lot more than just reading to do with it. You're talking about how computers work, how they function, how the Internet works, you know, where to go, blah, blah, blah. So they're definitely trying to adapt to new times. Uh, and I think they're doing a good job, but they probably can still use support and funding. Uh, the one thing that I do not want to hear is that libraries should go away because mm -hmm. we don't need them anymore, because we do. There are people that will always believe, at least while I'm alive, there will always be people that will believe that a physical book is just something that can't be replaced by a screen regardless. And I have a Kindle and I like my Kindle, but I like a physical book. And, you know, your old manuscripts and stuff like that, like I said, you need a repository for our history, for the physical items that, that make up parts of our history. 
And th that is a function that a library can serve. So I don't ever want to see libraries go away, and I'm glad to see that they are adapting. Well, Court, that is a great place to close the book on this episode. Turn Boom. the page, shut Mike the cover, drop. mic drop, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anybody got a book drop? book drop. My bullseye is just more of appreciation. I've been thinking about it during this episode, and I love how timeless a book is mm -hmm. in comparison to other things in our world. You think about the Bible, War and Peace, uh, Tale of Two Cities, Lord of the Rings. They're unaltered, and they last forever, unless you're in a Fahrenheit 451 situation. So I just think that's really cool. You're like holding a piece of history that's unchanged. Yeah. Go books. Uh, my bullseye is, you know, definitely my goal personally is I want to keep reading more, but I'm almost sitting here thinking about, um, because we still are dealing with the writer's strike, the actor's strike, all of that, that this is a great time to start reading books because you don't know that some of these could turn into future projects and it's a great time to, this is, this is a part of the world that's not on strike right now and get lost in a different world with a book. And if it's, whether it's audio or sitting there, you know, flipping the pages. Um, so interesting thing. You said that, that the reading is a good way to fill the time while uh, the strikes are still going on. As a side note, I'll just point out to everybody that uh, apparently there are quite a few people from Hollywood who have decided that, uh, that podcasting will be a good way to fill their time while they're striking, including the hosts of all of the major late night talk shows. They've all gotten together to do a podcast now. Uh, so wouldn't you people out we there, did it first. wouldn't you rather listen to Bullcast than listen to Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, all those guys? Yes, of course, you'd rather listen to Bullcast than listen to them. Having said that, back to literacy. Remember that this whole podcast, the whole point of this podcast is that tomorrow, I guess, if you if you listen to this on the day of its release, then the very next day will be September the 8th. And September the 8th is International Literacy Day. The entire world is recognizing the importance of literacy. And I think my bullseye is going to be this. Uh, as you have probably heard many people over your life say, those who do not remember history are doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the biggest tools that humanity has developed in order to uh, maintain records of its past, its present, and to determine how its future will go is words, the written word. So obviously, uh, literacy is going to be vital for the survival of our species. Ladies and gentlemen, that is your court talk for the day. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast delivered directly to your listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Cameron, Katie, or Court, please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can read up on our bios there. You can also communicate with us through our website. You can suggest a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, suggest a guest you'd like us to have on, or just give us some feedback on something you feel like we missed. Is there a favorite book you wish we had mentioned? Then go to our website, drop a comment, and uh, maybe we'll bring it up on the next podcast we do. We also have pictures. We have an Instagram handle that is at Bullcast Podcast, and we have an X handle that is at Bullcast Podcast as well. Twitter, for those of you who aren't 
in the know. We have a Facebook page. That Facebook page is Bullcast the Podcast. And finally, we have mentioned on occasion, you may have heard, that we work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about what Pickler Wealth Advisors can do for you, the services we offer, the things that we strive to provide to our clients, find out about our amazing team and find out about our fearless leader, David A. Pickler, please feel free to go to that website and check it out. That website is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, that is everything. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we're done.